0: The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Well, good morning, church family. First Corinthians chapter number 1 for our text reading here today, First Corinthians chapter number 1, and welcome to our Connection Sunday. This is an annual event that we have here at Ambassador that we use to really encourage folks to go ...deeper in their relationships with their church family. And so we hope that this service will be a blessing and a help to you. And I'm looking forward to just diving into this particular portion of scripture. Um, For those of you who don't know, uh, Pastor Nick and his wife Sarah... ...Pastor Nick is our Connections Group Pastor. He oversees uh, this ministry as well as uh, on an annual basis usually preaches this service... And uh, this morning, they went to the hospital, and Sarah is delivering, and so we're excited for them. We're praying for them, and uh, he told me that he wouldn't be able to make it, and I was like, praise the Lord, amen. So here we are. We're looking forward to it, excited about what God has for us today uh, from His Word. Uh, As we move into the service this morning, have you ever had a time in your life where you felt like something or someone was missing? Like just something didn't quite fit. Something didn't quite jive. I I remember, and some of you have heard this story before, uh, when my wife and I had our first child, Ashlyn, who is now 13 years old, but I remember when Ashlyn was a little baby, after a few months, uh, my wife had something that she had to go to, so Ashlyn maybe would have been 10 or 11 months old, and, and uh, my wife went to some type of ladies' retreat, and so she was going to be gone overnight, and it was going to be the very first time that I was going to have Ashlyn uh, all by myself. And as you can imagine, my wife was very particular about all the instructions and everything that I was supposed to do. Uh, it was my wife's heart that when she returned, Ashlyn would still be alive. And that was what her desire was. That was her heart. And so she was very particular about making sure that I was doing everything just right and making sure I was dotting my I's, crossing my T's, so that Ashlyn would be okay. She showed me where the formula, the milk would be, and how to take care of her, and how to feed her, and the whole nine yards. And and I said, don't worry about it. It's all going to be fine. Everything's going to be perfect. And and, uh, so she left. And I remember that first night, trying to make her fall asleep and, and literally I, I don't know if you dads have ever done this I, I put her in a car seat and I drove her around until she fell asleep for probably like half an hour because I just could not figure out how to get her to fall asleep so she fell asleep put her in a bed uh, in the middle of the night she started crying and, and I thought okay I gotta get her some food but I, I'll be honest guys man in that state uh, this is just me. I was tired. I'm groggy. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm not the most alert person right in the middle of being woken up in the middle of the night. And so I'm, I'm kind of fumbling around looking for uh, that milk that I was supposed to feed her. I'm, I'm grabbing it. I'm making my way to where she is. And, and I, you know, give her the bottle or whatnot. And, and all of a sudden, after a few moments, even in that groggy, sleepy state, I start hearing this kind of weird coughing and gurgling. And, and at that moment, I kind of came to, I kind of woke up and I realized that the lid of the bottle had fallen off, and I'm pouring that bottle of milk on my daughter's face. You know, it's all over her face, and I'm like, oh, man, I feel horrible, you know. And even in that moment, it was as if my daughter was looking up at me and was like, Dad, you're such an idiot, you know. And, uh, man, I felt bad. We got her, fed her. It was great and uh, kept her alive. And the reality is we made it. We made it through the weekend. Uh, But there was definitely someone missing, and the person missing uh, was Mom. You ever been at that moment before where you just felt like, man, hey, I'm moving along, everything's going all right, everything's trucking along, but it just feels like something's missing. Uh, Perhaps, you know, you're in a situation in life, you're like, man, everything's going real good at work and things are going well here, but just, it feels like something's just not right, something's not jiving, something's missing. And uh, what we're going to see today is I believe for many believers, many of those who call themselves Christians one of the things that's often missing in the life of a believer is spiritual fellowship. And so we're going to unpack this idea. We're going to talk about what it means to have fellowship in Christ and fellowship with Christ, all right? Throughout the New Testament, as you read the epistles, those letters that were written by the Apostle Paul, you'll see that only one time in the epistles, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says, my lord in a singular sense my lord but what's interesting is over 53 times you'll see him use the phrase our lord it's interesting to me you see what paul recognized is that christianity is a communal thing christianity was not designed to be done individually And so we're going to kind of unpack this idea today. If you're physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand as we read from our text today. Uh, To give us some context on 1 Corinthians, those of you who have studied this passage before, uh, you understand that the church at Corinth was kind of a messed up church, all right? Uh, If you've been in church world, if you've studied this book of the Bible, then you know that this church in Corinth they had all kinds of issues. I mean, lots of issues. This was, this was far from a perfect church. And sometimes, you know, we can look around and be like, well, man, I, our church isn't this or our church isn't that. And here's the reality. If you want to look at a church that was messed up, this was a church that was messed up. And so we see that in 1 Corinthians. They had all kinds of uh, unity issues. There was division issues in this church. And so this is the context for who Paul is writing to, and here's what he says. Verse number four. He says, I thank my God always on your behalf. (laughs) That's interesting understanding the context, you know, that this is a horrible church, and yet he's like, I thank God for you. For the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ, notice this, that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall confirm you unto the end, notice this, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the, I want you to circle this word if you have a pen, the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Notice that word fellowship. Fellowship. In the original Greek language, this word for fellowship is the word koinonia, all right? It's the word fellowship, koinonia. This word that is used in this particular passage when it speaks about the type of relationship that we are to have with Christ, it uses this idea of this koinonia fellowship, all right? This is not a typical relationship in the way we tend to think about it it's not simply a surface relationship this is deeper this is more than that and that is what we're going to dive into today today that's what we're going to look at this morning let's have a word of prayer and then we'll unpack this idea in just a moment dear gracious and heavenly father Lord, we want to thank you so much for sending your Son to this Earth so that we could have a dynamic, thriving relationship with you that is not just cerebral, that is not just academic, that is not just anchored on knowledge. but Lord, thank you for sending your Son to this Earth so that we can have a very real, a very personal, a very dynamic relationship with you through your Son Jesus Christ, that feeds us and satisfies us and, and gives us all those things that our soul desperately craves. I pray that you would help us more deeply understand how that relationship that we have with you, that coin coin-and-ear relationship with you, how you desire for that to, to spill out and to overflow in our relationships with those around us. I pray that you would bless this service as only you can. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen, and you may be seated. In way of introduction, I'd like to take a moment to differentiate between fellowship in the sense of a surface relationship... And fellowship in the sense of a deeper koinonia spiritual relationship. So in your service program guide, if you have a pen there in front of you, I want you to write down these two words. I want you to write down the word surface relationship. I want you to think about that. And then I want you to think about this word spiritual relationship or what the scriptures here refers to as koinonia. What happens in many churches is most people do not understand that there is a difference between surface relationships and deep spiritual koinonia relationships. And if you're going to understand our fellowship in Christ and then also our fellowship with Christ, it's imperative that you know the difference between the two. So let's talk about them for just a moment. Let's talk first of all, just for a brief moment, about surface relationships. Now, surface relationships are easy to understand because it is primarily what most of us are uh, we're, we're aware of. All right, so a surface relationship is is tend to be cultivated around natural affinities. So think about it for a moment. When you have a relationship with somebody, a surface, natural relationship with somebody, that relationship is built around typically commonalities so you have a relationship with somebody it's a surface relationship and you tend to have some things in common Uh, either you have like the same personalities and so you kind of get each other you tend to vibe with each other it seems like when you get around them you they're just like they get you you know those type of people they just get you because you just share so much in common and you're like wow this is awesome A surface relationship can also be built around similar hobbies that is you like to do the same things that other people like to do and and so man this person and that person they like to go golfing and and so this surface relationship gets built around this common interest like golfing or bowling. Uh, Other times these surface relationships can be built around careers Uh, man we do the similar type of things and because we do similar types of things uh, there's a natural affinity that we have. We have a relationship. that we have with one another. And I'll say this, surface relationships are wonderful. They're good things. Some of you have surface relationships with people and the commonality is you have spent so much time with that person. You've spent time and for some of you, you have spent decades with certain individuals. And that time together is the commonality that you have that bonds you together. This is a surface relationship. And I wanna say this, surface relationships are a wonderful thing. When you can get together and you can laugh together and you have things in common, you guys get each other, you travel together because you enjoy each other's company, you go out to dinner together because you like being with each other, you guys do similar things, and because you do similar things, you just like being together and you have these surface relationships, and surface relationships are so, so good, but I want to say this, that is not what this passage is talking about. You see, the Scriptures use a word for that type of relationship, but there's another word for fellowship that gets used in the scriptures, and it's the word koinonia. Koinonia is not referring to surface relationships or relationships that are built around natural affinities. Koinonia is something very different. Koinonia is a spiritual relationship, and this spiritual relationship is not built around natural affinities. It's not built around the fact that you have shared commonalities. It isn't developed because you like doing the same things. It's built around something very different. You see, spiritual relationships are much deeper. Spiritual relationships give you a rootedness that when the storms of life come and the struggles of life come and the difficulties of life come, these relationships are so deep They're so rooted in something that's deeper than just surface stuff that all of a sudden when those trials and difficulties come, you've got some deep-rooted relationships that help keep you grounded in those times. And what I'll say is this, koinonia is speaking of a spiritual relationship, not necessarily a surface relationship. While surface relationships are awesome, how many of you have, raise your hand, you've got some good friends that you just, you just jive with? How many? Anybody? Man, I don't have very many friends in this room. <laughs> some of you are sitting next to people and they're like, why didn't you raise your hand, you know? <laughs> Surface relationships are great, but I want to say this. In the life of a church, they are inadequate. Surface relationships are beautiful. But in the life of a congregation, they're not enough. We as a church family need something deeper. We need something stronger, and we need something more profound. And what we need is deep, spiritual koinonia relationships. So here's our theme today. We're going to see this played out in this text. You and I cannot be conformed to the image of Christ alone. This is a strong statement. You and I cannot be conformed to the image of Christ and bring God glory alone. It was meant to be done in the context of koinonia. All right? Now, I'm going to take the rest of the service because I want to unpack this idea for us today. So notice for a moment, if you will, I want you to see this morning we're going to look at three vital aspects of koinonia relationships, all right? Three aspects that I hope will help us more deeply understand what koinonia is. Actually, is all right. So, let's look at first of all, verse number nine. Notice what it says God is faithful. Oh, God is faithful. What's He faithful to do? Verse nine by whom ye are called, notice this, unto the koinonia. You're called into this fellowship of His Son. Jesus Christ our Lord, which brings us to our first thought if you're taking notes today, and that is this the starting place for fellowship. The starting place for fellowship. You see, Koinonia fellowship doesn't start with having shared hobbies, Koinonia fellowship doesn't start because you're in the same demographic. You're in the same lifestyle. You like the same things. You look kind of similar. You grew up the same. Koinonia relationships aren't built around those natural affinities. No, koinonia relationship is built around something totally different. It's built around our relationship with Jesus Christ first and foremost. You say, how does this functionally work? Well, let me, m- let me make a couple of statements. Number one, I-, I want you to know when it comes to a relationship of n- being known and knowing and being known, I- I'll have this to say that humans, humans tend to fear being fully known. Humans tend to fear being fully known. You say, what do you mean by that? Let me illustrate. What if I were to say right now, hey, and I, I didn't do this as is illustration, but what if I were to say, you know what? For the last six months, uh, the church has hired private investigators to follow you around for the last six months. They know where you went. They know what you did. Security cameras in your home. (laughs) They've been searching your internet. They know where you've been physically. They know where you've been online. They know everything you said, everything you've done. And, because this is a special service we got these screens. We'd like to show the footage to the rest of the church family. How many of you would be like, ah, awkward? (laughs) That's just me. Am I the only one who'd be like, oh, that would be weird? (laughs) You say, why? Because deep down, every one of us know we we are scared to death to be fully known. We're scared that people would know about us in every detail and intimate way. Yet, at the same time, even though we are terrified of being fully known, we also have this deep craving to be fully known. And it creates this tension in our soul. Which is why I say this. Christ fully knows you. Due to his omniscience, he knows everything you've ever done. He knows everywhere you've ever been. He knows everything you've ever said. He knows every thought you've ever thought. He knows every motive of your heart. Your God fully knows you. But here's the crazy part. He still loves you unconditionally. Wow. And Let that sink in for a moment. The God who fully knows you unconditionally loves you. Someone once said it this way, in Christ we are fully known and fully loved. You say, why is the starting place for fellowship, the starting place for koinonia fellowship, why is it our relationship with Christ? Here's why, get this, okay? Because as we come to a place where we are vertically experiencing all of God's love for us, before God we are known, but not only are we known, we are loved, we are affirmed, He has poured compassion upon us, and as we, from God's children, we experience that love fully, then we are in a position where then we can extend that love. You say, why? Because as you and I as human beings, the moment you and I enter into a relationship, think about your marriage for a moment, think about your marriage. Think about maybe for those of you who have good friends, The moment you enter into a relationship, get this, the moment you enter into a relationship that you need something from for your soul, you need validation from that person in your relationship, you need security from them, you need love from them, you need something from that relationship. The moment you enter into a relationship with any need, it is impossible to love that person unconditionally. Because the very essence of unconditional love says, I don't need anything from this. I am simply loving unconditional with no need being brought into this equation. How do we do that? How do we get to a point where we can enter into our marriages? We can enter into our parental relationships. We can enter into relationships at work, in our church family, where we can truly be free from the need so that we can love unconditionally. Here's the only way it's possible. You have to have all your needs met before you enter into those horizontal relationships. You say, where do you get those needs met? You get them met at the throne of grace before God. You allow his grace to satisfy your deepest needs. You allow his grace, his presence to free you from loneliness. You allow his presence to free you from the need for validation from your partner, from your friends. you are free and liberated the moment you truly begin to experience all that God has for you. You're not ready to enter into relationships the way God's designed for relationships to work if you're not fully feasting on His grace for you first. Because then every relationship you enter into, you'll enter into with a toxic posture of the heart because you subconsciously, deeply need something from them. You can masquerade it, you can mask it, you can try to cover it up, but you will never be able to love unconditionally because you need something from it first. And that's one reason we enter into surface relationships. Makes us feel validated, makes us feel warm, makes us feel happy, makes us feel good, makes us feel fuzzy. Nothing wrong with that. But ear relationships are deeper because it starts with Jesus. It starts with getting all of your needs met in the promises and spirit of God. And then it allows you, once you allow that vertical relationship to feed your soul, to quench the thirst, to fill and satisfy the cravings, once this has happened horizontally, you can step out into the vertical world free from needing something from that relationship. You're free. I can, I can go to my wife not needing anything from her. I, I can interact with people in my church and I don't need you to validate me. I don't need you to affirm. I don't need that love. I've got it. You've got it. It's yours. It's, you, it's just, you can have it. By faith. Because Everything, everything, everything you need for life and godliness found in Jesus. But if you don't understand that the starting place for Koinonia Fellowship is Jesus, then you're going to look to a thousand different people and you're going to try to manipulate this person. And you won't know it. It's subconscious. It's deep. It's just going to feel ugly and feel weird and feel awkward. Because you're going to look to so many different people. This person's got to give me validation. This person's got to give me affirmation. This person's got to give me security. This person needs to make me feel warm. This person needs to, needs to make, make me feel safe. This person needs to fulfill this preference. This person needs to do what I want. And as long as I get everybody acting the way I need them to oh, act, I can feel good about myself. You're free from that. Because you can be and experience everything you need to experience in your Vertical relationship in Jesus. And now you're free to love people who won't love you back. To serve people who don't like you. Because you don't need anything from them. You are finally free to love them unconditionally. But the starting point is this relationship, this fellowship with jesus christ a dynamic relationship that's feeding your soul and giving you fulfillment and bringing satisfaction and validation and affirmation and your soul just explodes with the fullness of god and you enter into the world around you and you enter into your relationship and you enter into your church family liberated there are people here today and you're not liberated from that Whether you realize it or not, you enter into your relationships needing things from the people you interact with. And I'm not saying that's awful. What I'm saying is God's got something better for you. He wants to free you from having to create a world where everybody around you is walking on eggshells and doing this and doing it. You're free from that in the person of Jesus. This is the starting place for, starting place for fellowship. Romans chapter number 15, verse 17 says this. This is such a great verse. It says, Romans 15, it says, Wherefore, receive one another. Church, ambassador, you need to receive one another. Receive one another. Receive them. How? Just as Christ received you, just like he accepted you. Notice this, to the glory of God. To the glory of God. You say, how, how do we receive one another? As Christ received us. How do we accept one another? As Christ accepted us. Here's the question that I have for you. How did Christ receive you? Did Christ receive you once you acted the way he wanted you to act? Did he receive you when you started behaving the way he wanted you to behave? Did he receive you when you dotted your I's and crossed your T's and did everything just right? Did he receive you when you got your act together? Did he receive you when you were doing what, what, you know, the good Christians? No, the Bible says this, and while that you were yet sinners, when you were in your brokenness, And you were in your shame. And you were in your guilt. And in your condemnation. And when the weight of God's wrath was resting upon your shoulders, Jesus reached out to you. As Christ has received you, so also receive one another. You see, I don't know where it happened, but somewhere along the road over the last 2,000 years, the church got to this place where it was like, no, no, We'll receive somebody when they behave the way we think they need to behave. Uh, we'll receive you as soon as you start acting the way you're supposed to act. Or <laughs> this is this is this is where it gets kind of neat. If you can't do if you can't be perfect, then then just pretend. And so we create these cultures of churches where there are a couple people who are really being perfect according to their standard and checklist, and everybody else is putting on a mask and pretending. And we wonder why there's no real, authentic relationships with people around us. Nobody knows, we're all wearing masks, nobody knows anybody around them. No wonder there can be no real relationships. You don't present the real you to people to get to know. And so we dance around in this church world wearing our masks, surface relationships, getting along, talking about sports, talking about hobbies. It's not bad. It's just entirely inadequate for what we need to thrive in the world in which we live. We need something more. We need something deeper. We need koinonia. It's deep relationship that, that transcends this Service relationships aren't bad. They're just inadequate. Notice, let's keep reading on. The Bible says in verse four, he says, I thank my God always on your behalf. Notice this, for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ. Paul says, yes, you church at Corinth, you're messed up. You are stinking messed up. Paul knew that, and he's gonna address it here in a few chapters, because the church was messed up. This church is really messed up. But here's what Paul starts the letter with. I thank God for the grace that he's poured upon you. Which leads us to our second thought. I want you to see this. Not only do we see the starting place for a Koinonia Fellowship, I want you to see number two. I want you to see here the means for Koinonia Fellowship. How does this work? I'm gonna say this, the means for koinonia fellowship is not having things in common with people. It's not looking like the people around you. It's not having the same personality or having the same preferences or having jiving on the same love. That is not the means of fellowship. Here's the means of this fellowship. We see it in verse four. The means of fellowship is God's grace. Doing in a life what they cannot do on their own. It's grace. It's all of grace. So we understand God's grace, but how does this, how does this naturally, naturally manifest itself, alright? How does this actually work? I, I don't want to keep this thing all high and mighty. I want to get the cookies on the bottom shelf. I want to help you understand how this kind of works. So we're going to get interactive for a moment, and uh, I did this in the first service. I'm going to do it again in the second service. Wes and Brennan, why don't you get up here real quick, alright? You're going to help me out with this. Because I want you guys to understand, what are the means? How does this Koinonia Fellowship actually work? If you want to turn to Acts chapter number two, you're going to see the two things we talk about here in this next portion. It gets brought out here in this passage how do we what is the natural practical means for this fellowship how does this get fostered how does this get cultivated we're going to see two things in this passage here really quickly all right acts chapter number two they continue steadfastly in the apostles doctrine get this and fellowship they're 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 conversing together around the word of god in the doctrine fellowship in breaking of bread and in prayers which leads us to our first thought in the means of fellowship and that is all right we're going to call it we're going to say call it face to face so face each other face to face all right face to face in conversation around the word of god all right this is the first means we're talking practically how do we what is the means how do we practically develop koinonia relationships we know how to practically develop surface relationships we have the same football teams that we like we wear similar clothes we have similar hobbies we do similar things no we're going to see fellowship talked about they're, they're, they said they're steadfastly in the apostles doctrine. All right, they're continuing steadfastly. They're having conversations around the word of God. There's conversation, there's fellowship. This word in Acts chapter number two, it's the same word that we found in 1 Corinthians chapter number one. It is the word koinonia. So we see koinonia with Christ, but now in this context, we're gonna see koinonia with other believers. Where does it come from? It comes as there is conversations around the word of God, face-to-face conversations around the word of God all right so here they are they're face to face having conversations around the word of God you get the mental picture here but that's not the only thing we see in this text all right uh man you guys are sitting toward the back you want to help me out here bud <laughs> he's like come on up help me out all right we, we all set uh da, 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 I'm trying to find come on up and help me again real quick all right really quick all right Fred right junior come on <laughs> he's like wait he's like not wanting to come I had to wake him up one way or the other. All right, we'll do it this way. (laughs) So, face to face... Having conversation around the word of God is one of the means, it's one of the practical ways that koinonia gets developed. Let's keep reading. It says verse 44 and verse 45, and all that believed were together and had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as they had need. All the Bible goes on and they were reached with the gospel. These are people who are on mission. They are not just going through the motions of Christianity. Here are people who are, here's what I'm going to say. This is face-to-face having conversations around the word of God. These guys are shoulder-to-shoulder co-laboring in the work of God. So, I want you to lock shoulders here for a moment. There you go. All right. <laughs> this is good. Can you guys like skip or something together? Yeah, yeah, just march. There we go. And like that. I am not embarrassed you yet, Junior, have I? All right. Okay, good. Here we go. All right. Here's what I want you to see. So here, you say, how is koinonia developed? We know how surface relationships are developed. How does koinonia get developed? It gets developed primarily in two practical ways. As we are face-to-face, having conversations around the word of God, and as we are shoulder-to-shoulder co-laboring together in the work of God. These are the practical components of how koinonia relationships tend to work on a practical daily basis, all right? Give these guys a hand, because I want you to give them a hand. Thanks, you guys, so much for helping out. All right, you guys may be seated. When did you get that mental picture up in your head? Okay? I'll put this on the screens. A koinonia relationship, all right? A koinonia relationship is one in which the primary connection point in that relationship is Jesus Christ and his word. Not your favorite sports teams. Not common interests. Not similar backgrounds. Not, you know, shared preferences. no. The connection point in that relationship is Jesus Christ and his word. The common bond holding the relationship together is regular conversation about God's word and regularly serving God with other people. These are the means of how koinonia gets developed. So here's my question. Are you putting yourself in an environment where you are regularly having conversations about the word of God with other believers? Where you are regularly talking about Jesus? Is this something that's a part of your life? Are you putting yourself in an environment where you are constantly encouraged to co-labor with other believers in the mission of God, and that is discipleship? Are you placing yourself into those environments where these are practically working out? Here's what I find incredibly sad. You go to most churches, and you go out to a lobby, and they're going to be talking about sports, they're going to be talking about food, they're going to be talking about work, and the reality is in many of our evangelical churches very little conversation about the person of Christ and the word of God. Now, they don't mind sitting in rows and having somebody monologue to them, but this is is not a conversation. (laughs) This is important, preaching is a great thing. But they were together. You go to churches, and yeah, they'll do fun activities and go bowling together and play baseball together, but really, when it comes to locking arm in arm on the mission of discipling other people and evangelizing other people on that mission, they're just not, the people aren't doing it. And it's a sad reality of the 21st century church. They talk about it a lot. But you go to the average person in the church and very little of it's practically being done. And we wonder why there's so little koinonia. Because the means that that which develops koinonia isn't there conversations around the Word of God, co-laboring with the will of God. This is why we've developed Connection Group Bible Studies. This is, this is why we have them. We want to create environments that encourage you to have conversations around the Word of God and the person of Jesus. We want to encourage you to be a part of environments where you're locking arms shoulder to shoulder, helping others disciple and helping others be discipled. That's why we create these things, so you can grow deeper in a real deep koinonia relationship. So let's go lastly here. What's the goal of all this? What's the goal of Koinonia Fellowship? Verse eight says this, that we may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what the goal of all this is? To make us more like Jesus. God uses this to form us into the image of his son Jesus Christ. He uses these deep spiritual relationships to form us into the image of Christ. He uses us in our conversations with other people about the Bible and the person of Jesus. He uses co-laboring shoulder to shoulder in the work of God to conform us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Now here's the danger. Here's the danger. While most people will say they want deep spiritual relationships, they'll, they'll say, yes, I want what you're describing. I want deep spiritual relationships that are deep and solid where I'm getting everything from God and experiencing and enjoying Him in such a deep way that I'm able to interact with those around me from the overflow. I don't need anything from The people I go to church, which I don't need anything from my spouse. I don't need anything from my kids. I don't need anything from um, the people I work with. I'm liberated because I have everything I need in Christ. I'm now free to enter into those relationships just unconditionally loving and unconditionally living and unconditionally serving. I'm free. Here's the problem most people will go and they will look for places and they will prioritize experiencing surface relationships even in church world. Yes, they want deep koinonia, but they prioritize the surface relationship. They'll go to a church and look, man, are there people here that look like me? They'll go to church, and it'll look like there's people of the same age group as me. Does it look like they kind of want and desire the same things I desire? They're looking for natural affinities in their church. Now here, get this. It doesn't take the Spirit of God to develop natural affinities and surface relationships. Unsaved, unregenerate, unbelievers who do not have the power of Christ working in them can develop very real, very strong surface affinity relationships. You don't need God for that. Anybody out in your world, you have people at your workplaces, they've got great surface relationships. They don't, you don't need God for that. Koinonia, it can't be done without the power of God. It cannot be accomplished without the grace of God. And it's sad to live in a day and age where people are running around prioritizing surface relationships. They want koinonia. They want those spiritual relationships. But they prioritize these natural affinities rather than prioritizing supernatural relationships. And so here's what happens. You go to church, and this is not broad-brushing, but typically you go to a church. I've been to churches, been preaching, and basically the whole congregation is a bunch of old white people. So they're built around natural affinities. Well, I've been to other churches, and it's a bunch of hip, hipsters and millennials. Why? Because natural affinities. I've been, ch- been to churches... It's all African American black people. Oh, that's the rich people church. Oh, that's the poor people church. Can I say this? That doesn't take a supernatural enabling of the Holy Spirit to accomplish. That is what happens automatically in the natural world in which we live. And so what happens is we go in and and people will come to church for a while and then after a few months they're like, well, there's nobody here that's my friend. Because your definition of what relationship is supposed to look like is surface. It's not bad, it's just inadequate. Relationships are supposed to be deeper. So I just, I gotta be very, very clear with you because I need you to know what you're getting into. We don't spend a ton of time or energy trying to cultivate an environment so you can have a lot of surface natural relationships. I don't think they're wrong, and I don't think they're bad. We just don't prioritize them very much. We never have. We probably never will. And if that's what you're looking for, I just want you to know this. We spend our energy and our time and our resources trying to help you cultivate something deeper and something more and something stronger. Why? By prioritizing conversations around the word of God and the person of Jesus, trying to prioritize co-laboring and the mission of God together. That's where we put the emphasis. That's where we put the challenge. And so people will come and they'll be like, "Well, oh, I, I just don't click with anybody here. I know it's not really what we're designed to do here. Go click with somebody at your work. Go click with somebody in your neighborhood. Go click with somebody you went to high school with. That's not the purpose of what church is about. Church is about something deeper. It's about unity with people who are not like you. It's about finding, being able to strive together with people who look different than you and have different preferences than you and don't jive with you perfectly because that takes a supernatural enablement of the power of God. And I'll say this, if in the process you get a surface relationship, <laughs> praise God, wow, that's awesome. That's like the cherry on top of the chocolate sundae. But I just gotta be clear with you. Too many people go to church thinking that this is what it's about, and get confused. And well, I just don't feel like I'm not jiving here. You're you're probably never gonna feel that too much. You might have one or two people in this environment that you feel that natural affinity to. But I'm here to say this, we're calling you to something deeper, something more. Something that reminds you, you don't need that the way you used to need that. God has something deeper. He has something stronger for you and we want to call you into that joy. Or else you'll spend your whole life trying to subconsciously manipulate everything in your life so you can feel like you've got some good relationships. God's got something better. He says, I've already given you everything you need for life and godliness. I've already given you satisfaction. I've already given you fulfillment. I've already given you validation. I've already given you security. I've already given you everything you need and so now you are free. You are liberated to simply live out of the overflow of that. You can love unconditionally as Christ has loved you. I'm not saying surface relationships are bad, please. Please, please don't take this away from this. I'm just saying they're inadequate. If you get them, praise God for them. But in a church, they are not vitally necessary. They're very, very nice. And they make life very, very comfortable. But they are not necessary to quininea. I'll say this. It's a lot more likely that you will koinonia your way into a surface relationship than it is that you will surface relationship your way into koinonia. It often works. If you'll focus on koinonia, sometimes it'll lead you to a surface relationship. Hardly ever will a surface relationship, if that's the primary goal and that's the primary purpose, what happens nine times out of ten, it just stays there because it's comfortable. And so for years, you have somebody that you can go to the mall with, you can go shopping with, you can have fun with, but they're not sharpening you toward deeper koinonia conversations around the Word of God, co-laboring in the work of God. And then the person, that moment that person's gone, you're like, what, what's going on? Because you didn't develop. See, you can have koinonia with everybody in this room. You can have koinonia fellowship with every person in this room. But if you see this as your definition of what fellowship is supposed to be about, Then you're going to look around and be like, I only connect with like two people here. God's given us something deeper. He's given us something more. So I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider. Ask yourself, what has been my definition of fellowship? What's my definition? Do I look at fellowship and think, I need somebody that... I have a natural affinity to that. I have a surface relationship with it. I'm telling you what, those feel very warm. They feel very fuzzy. They feel very nice. They are very comfortable. Koinonia relationships are hardly ever comfortable. Uh, for those of you who have been married or are married, you realize how difficult it is to go deeper into Koinonia type relationships. Deep relationships, spiritual relationships. They're painful sometimes, they're hard, but they are necessary and they're vitally necessary in the life of a church. So we ask you are, you, are you putting yourself in a place to experience quantity relationships, a place where you're regularly encouraged to have conversations around the word of God and to co-labor in the work of God? That's our question.